everyone, this is Lars Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast, we are talking about what everyone else is talking about, the NBA season being on a hiatus. I talked to Steve Henson about what the rest of this NBA season could possibly look like, Blake Griffin stepping up for the workers of Little Caesars Arena, and how Christian Wood testing positive for COVID-19 affects his future in Detroit. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast, especially during these very weird times. Uh, The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Jackson, and today I am joined by Steve Henson of Detroit Bad Boys. What's up, Steve? Oh, not much. How's it going, Laz? Uh, you know, just, you know, little normal things like the season being delayed for a month because of a global pandemic. No big deal. Oh, yeah. It was an interesting week last week, huh? <laughs> it's been an interesting week for sure. Uh, so, obviously... Uh, we we're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail, but first, I haven't really spoken to you on the podcast all year, and so the season was delayed with the Pistons at twenty and forty six, with the fifth best odds in the odds in the lottery. Excuse me. So where where were you on this team on this team uh, before the season was delayed? Uh, well, I had been pretty uh, firmly on the record that the Pistons needed to go another direction with the roster that they needed to. Um, blow things up and figure out a direction that did not include a Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin core. And so they finally uh, made that move, did not get a whole lot in return, which was unfortunate. You certainly would like to see, um, you know, that look a bit different, but it is what it is. And so uh, it was a chance to, uh, you know, it was a lot of losses, but it was also a really tough schedule. And it was a chance for us to uh, learn a lot about uh, some of the players who were on the team. Like um, if if we would have helped Pat at the trade deadline, you know, said that it's not enough of a return for um, for Andre Drummond. Would we know how good Christian Wood really is in a featured role? Um, you know, there's also some down things in terms of Sekou Dumboya uh, stalling. And, uh, but Spee has, you know, he had a, he had a nice time and it's just, uh, also lets us know that we really need a catalyst on the, uh, perimeter in the offense that Bruce Brown, you know, whatever he is in terms of point guard, shooting guard, whatever, that, uh, we really need some more dynamic talent on the perimeter. And so, uh, while it was probably going to be the case that, point guard was well it was obviously going to be the case that point guard was going to be a priority going into the offseason we really learned that it is a huge it's it need to be a really huge priority <laughs> <laughs> no no you're absolutely right um you know i've talked we've talked a bunch about you know points possible point guard pi, uh prospects trusting that five times fast on this podcast um 
You know, one thing I have been kind of missing is that we we didn't really get a good chance to see how Luke Kennard factors into all of this. It would have been nice to get a, a lot of looks at him playing mm-hmm. with Seku, playing with a guy like Christian Wood. But uh, I got to give you credit. You were absolutely uh, correct that, you know, the long-term future of this team was not in a, like, Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond core. And they are definitely, like, moving in that direction. That's something that you you called even before the season started when a lot of people were, were very optimistic about how this uh, season could play out, including myself. Well, and, you know, and I, I don't begrudge anyone who was optimistic about it. You know, there's ways that you can look at those guys and see it working to be, it, well, they were they were 500 last year. And so maybe that's something that you can build on. And so, you know, I get that idea of optimism. It's just, uh, for me, it was always what's the ceiling. And we're past the point where uh, guys were still going to be um, growing into something uh, more than what they already were. And so it was more just a uh, where are we going type of uh, place that I was at. And and that's still going to be something that um, we have to continue to watch. A lot of these uh, prospects, uh, these young guys that the Pistons do have are nice complimentary players, but uh, they are still missing um, some of those more dynamic elements that you need to uh, to really be uh, successful in the league today. Um, like, uh, you know, you like Steve Mohalek, he is the perfect example. He's a really nice player. I mean, you always need guys who can shoot, and he gives you some sneaky other things, but, you know, he's a guy who needs to be supporting someone who can uh, really who can really win you games? V isn't going to be the guy winning you the games. He's going to be the guy making sure that you're not getting your, you know, not getting destroyed every night. Yeah, no, I, I totally get where you're coming from. We have a bunch of role players right yeah. now with no stars. Yeah. And that's something that we're going to have to address in this off season when, whenever that happens, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, uh, when you got the, when you got the word that the season was being delayed, you know, did you expect that? Was that something that you first saw? Oh man, Wednesday last week from my uh, professional uh, world was already just absolutely bonkers. So you know, we were trying to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, you know, what we needed to do to address things on our end. Uh, my girlfriend had just gotten back from traveling in um, London and New York, and uh, oh wow, yeah, and it turned out that her. London office had closed because of potential contact while she was there. And so, I mean, um, you know, my office was like, uh, you know, nobody's coming to work. The next morning I'm arranging getting a test so that I'm not stuck in the house because, you know, it's a a very slim possibility and not showing any symptoms or anything. But, uh, and so just dealing with all, all of the, uh, the work craziness, uh, idea and then um and then coming back at the end of the day and oh the nba season is canceled (laughs) man this day was an interesting month oh man it felt like forever and i i just thought that you know it it really was telling that it took a uh on-court player being uh testing positive for the season to be delayed fully um, and you saw the reluctance, you know, they, they wanted to play the, uh, the Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans game, even after mm-hmm. Gobert already tested positive. And so you, you got to give the league credit for, for being one of the first professional sports leagues to shut it down, but they, they did it at 
the the absolute last uh possible moment mm-hmm. that they were that they were uh willing to do so um you know go ahead Oh, no. Yeah, I'm just curious about what kind of conversations, you know, were happening in the league office beforehand. I think early last week, I think most of most of us were taking it pretty seriously, but not necessarily preparing for uh, the scope that it would all take. And so the the idea of the NBA season being shut down, that was something that really wasn't on my radar at all. And so uh, I'm curious how much of it was on the league's radar. And, you know, if they were talking about it Monday, it might have seemed absolutely bonkers. But by the time the conversation shifted on Wednesday, it, you know, um, when we're looking at it in retrospect now, it, you know, it's like, well, of course, that's what we had to do. But, you know, just as as events were unfolding, it was just uh, such a wild process that, you know, I I don't, I don't, it's very complicated. It's certainly a crisis management situation to where, uh, I guess at the end of the day, all that matters is the right choices were made. Yeah. You, you absolutely nailed though, like the speed at which this turned around because on Monday there was a lot of thought that, you know, they play games without fans, right? Like Mm -hmm. that would be the, the engine of last resort. It's like, okay, well, you know, they'll play games to an empty arena and you know, but the season will still go on. Um, and then, you know, we get, uh, a player being diagnosed it's like okay well we can't play games at all it's like okay well that now we've hit like the next logical step but you know it was always kind of i guess a matter of time until it hit in a player individually considering like you know how much these guys travel how many people they encounter on a on a day-to-day basis that you know even have nothing to do from a basketball perspective you're talking about you know guys are on the road in hotels you know eating up eating out at restaurants etc and and you know traveling a lot more than you know the average American. Mm-hmm. And so the, this was always like a possibility, but it seemed like the league was trying to forestall it as long as possible. It just, you know, it turned around really quickly, just like uh, it, it has for a lot of people in, the, in around the country. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right. All right, Steve. So the next thing I did want to talk about though, is something that good that has come out of this, uh, you know, all we have with no games, you thinking about, you know, the, the part-time employees that work for the Pistons, that work in Little Caesars Arena, doing concessions, doing ticketing, ushers, etc. You know, Blake Griffin uh, donated a hundred thousand or pledged to donate a hundred thousand dollars to uh, making sure that those individuals receive some sort of salary. You know, while the league isn't playing any games, you know, making up you know what they uh, otherwise might not get during a very difficult time to be you know you know without a steady income. Mm-hmm. What, what did you think of that, Steve? Oh, that's, that's, of course, terrific. You know, I think uh, one of the, for me, for my professional life, I'm I'm on salary, Um, working from home, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all, it's okay. Uh, But, you know, I have plenty of friends who are in the service industry and who are on an hourly basis. And so those are the folks who, uh, you know, I the stock market going up and down, whatever. I've got a retirement account, and I don't love seeing it tank, but it's it's fine. It'll recover. I've got a long time for it. But uh, the the people who are most at risk right now are those people who are on those hourly wages, and so it's a uh, it is really great to see uh, the Pistons' most prominent player uh, taking a leading role in um, in recognizing that and supporting them. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is always something that comes with like a little bit of of uh, 
of like double-sidedness because like while you do love to see like Blake Griffin doing this obviously you know there's the guy who signs Blake Griffin's checks and Tom mm-hmm. Gores and you would you would expect and or you would hope I suppose maybe not expect but hope that uh, some of the owners and uh, some of the other individual teams would would step up and do the right thing for for their uh, part-time salaried employees mm-hmm. but it's if it's good to see that's you know barring that like someone will will step up and and be a leader in that way and I'm I'm always just reminded of how important like Blake Griffin's leadership has been uh for this team on and off the court. It's been it's been a long time since we've had um a name guy like Blake uh in Detroit and this is just like one more example of how uh you know having one of those guys being a leader how important that is to to the culture of a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it- I mean, I, I do think that it is incumbent on Tom Gores to uh, step up and also be a leader. I mean, you know, he uh, pledged what, however much money um, all those years ago, what, 2016 or 2017 for uh, for Flint, that really, in terms of the follow through on that, has been uh, less than spectacular. And so... Uh, you know, now's, now's the time, you know, $100,000 from Blake, um, you know, Tom Gores, you want to support Flint and you want to support the recovery efforts, um, go, now's a really great time for you to throw some money their way. So, uh, and actually, you know, just fulfill the dang pledge at this point. It's been out there and outstanding for so long that it's always kind of bothered me a bit. And so, uh, I, you know, the Pistons do a decent amount of work in the community, and it's not like um, they're not doing anything philanthropically. But when he came on, the Flint water crisis was uh, such a, a hot topic and really rode that wave of some pu- uh, publicity that um, I, I think, you know, I, I had some conversations with the Pistons over the summer where uh, they shared with me everything that they are doing, and, and it is um, something that they are doing and focused on, but not to the scale that was promised. And so now's the point where follow through with the scale you promised, dude. Yeah. And, and like, this is, this is a great opportunity to do so. Right. Oh, yeah. And who, you know, who knows when the promise was made, you know, three, four years ago, like, you know, there's no time like the present, there's always time to, to make that up. Mm-hmm. And I do want to note that, you know, Tom Gore's, uh, the Pistons did promise to, I want to read this correctly. Uh, including all business employees, including hourly and part-time staff who support game day activities at little Caesars arena will be paid during the period that NBA games are suspended. So it did happen. It just, you Mm -hmm. know, was later after, after, you know, a player, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say shamed them into doing it, but like after a player had to lead by example, you know, the, the team as a, as a whole stepped up. And I think that uh, Mm -hmm. they weren't, they weren't exactly the first team to do so either and i hope you know again like it's one of those things where it's better to have it happen than not happen but you would you would like to see your team be like an industry leader uh, a leading factor in in that direction but you know i'll i'll take it for all those uh you know part-time employees that could Mm -hmm. aren't don't really care about like whether or not uh the pistons were first or last they just care Mm -hmm. about like how how the money is coming in for sure. And, so. and, it, and it's a great reason to keep cheering for Blake, uh, for him, rooting for him to have a, a comeback from injury and return to the type of form, whether he's going to be a long-term piston or not. You know, we've had some big name players who uh, who have been through the Pistons and had 
really bad tenures. And so Blake, even though the injury this year was unfortunate, last year we just saw the guy just put his absolute body on the line. And uh, he's just been uh, a really positive presence. And someone who, if this is uh, next year's the last time we see him in a Pistons uniform, and you know, hopefully it's something where they're able to, he comes back awesome, a contender wants him, the Pistons are able to move him and continue their youth rebuild, uh, that we'll be able to part ways with uh, some really positive uh, impressions from such a high-profile guy, and that's uh, not always been the case for us, so um, looking, so that's, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. All right, Steve, uh, what are we going to do if this, if this delay lasts you know, longer than the 30 days that Adam Silver talked about uh, in his press availability or in his, I guess, media availability on Inside the NBA? You know, what, what do you expect if uh, you know, things get uh, worse than they appear and the season needs to be pushed back into, into like May or June? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think as Adam Silver mentioned, it's uh, that we kind of have to get prepared for the idea of there not being an NBA champion this year, which uh, would be the very first time the NBA's had that be the case. Um, you know, the major league, they, uh, they missed out on a World Series one year because of a player strike. Um, there's been plenty of, one of the things I'm working on myself right now is um, just looking at the history of shutdowns in sports and how outside society has impacted uh, the sports world, which hopefully helped finish that up by the time uh, this, or pretty close to when this podcast is posted. Um, but yeah, the NBA has never, uh, has never had a year without an NBA champion, which would be, um, you know, that'd be, I'd, I'd certainly feel for some of the fan bases out there, uh, teams for just, struggling fan bases and franchises like uh, the Clippers and the Bucks, who have a really solid shot at winning the NBA championship. And for, you know, for us, like that would be thinking about if we didn't have 2004 to look at, it was 2004, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the White Sox won the next year. So those are my, my two main teams. And so sometimes I get the years mixed up. Um <laughs> <laughs> the uh but yeah if we if we didn't have that year and uh if we were looking at a 30 plus year uh hiatus between championships that just gets really really rough and these two teams never never won it but they've you know they've got to do the right thing and it's it's not about like placating anyone um i i think it'll be interesting to watch the process of how is the draft analysis going to work out um how what what are I, I think some of the practicalities are going to be what's really interesting. Um, where's the where's the draft combine? Is it going to be held? Or you know, do we just throw players in hazmat suits and uh, get their measurements or something? I it's just going to be. I I hope that this next week is not quite as uh, chaotic as last week was, and that we you know, start to see that some of the mitigation efforts are having some, some work and that there's a light at the end of the tunnel rather than continuing down um, this, uh, um, <laughs> the road we've been on. And, but it's, uh, it's still an interesting thought experiment to think about like what, what's going to go on. Uh, so what do you, yeah. what do you think for it? I think when, okay, so I think about next season, Right. You you want to get to a space in which 
you are not overly adversely affecting like the 2020 2021 season and you know if that has to start at christmas or if that has to start like at thanksgiving or you know a little bit later in the year like so be it um so at that point you know maybe if this runs into you know late may early june it's like all of a sudden you have uh you know maybe you obviously at that point you're not playing any more regular season games maybe you're trying to uh, compress the playoffs you know, best of fives instead of best of sevens, something like that, perhaps, um, you know, uh, you know, you could, this is a opportunity for the, uh, the league to experiment, you know, and maybe in lieu of the rest of the regular season, you play like a, a play in tournament of some sort to determine like the last two, uh, playoff spots. Um, you know, again, you, you know, maybe you make the, the first round, like a best of three or something in order to ke- keep the season really abbreviated, but you're you're really trying to finish like the NBA finals uh, around that same timeline, you know, like, you know, late June, early July, and hopefully everything else can kind of go from there. That is one thing that's nice about the what the draft um, and like the, the end of the league year, the end of the league year can uh, that's just like a um, that's an administrative thing. That's not necessarily like a, uh, an, an NBA, uh, you know, event type of thing. Uh, we're seeing with pro football right now that their free agency is going off, um, you know, without uh, much, without any delays, which is what they were concerned about. Um, and so you imagine that, like, if as long as the league year still ends on June 30th and they're able to finish the finals uh, before that, then the the offseason can kind of work as well. And then they can figure out what to do with uh, with the rest of the, uh, you know, with the rest of the delay in, in terms of like starting the season later or something like that. Um, at that point um, as for the draft you you bring up a really good point right uh, and I, I saw I mentioned other uh, elsewhere that you know a lot of the top prospects this year are uh, guys who are coming in from overseas like what what is that process going to be like are they going to be allowed to uh, to even like enter the country is like are we uh, are we uh, how are you going to get a good look at them like uh, do we ha- do we have enough tests to make sure like to ensure it to ensure their safety you know like these are these are 18 year old kids right or these are younger youngish guys for the most part like how do we how do we uh and you know their leagues are also no longer playing it's like how do we assure ourselves that like they are also like keeping themselves in in the best of health and in the best of shape in in terms of uh you know being effective in a draft combine setting or something like that if that were to take place Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it just it just opens up a, a lot of questions um, for for the rest of the year that I'm curious to see how the league uh, resolves without, mm-hmm. you know, making uh, making any missteps or, or pissing anybody off in the process. For sure. And well, and I, I wonder what the quality of basketball will be if we do get um, a, a, some more season this year, if they do uh, make the playoffs happen and everything is uh, <clears throat> does is that going to create some uh, it, you know how it is when whenever you're you've got a team that's um, not playing together, not practicing together, and then all of a sudden they're having to step into a playoff environment. That's going to be something we've never really seen before. That that, that could be, you know, um, that could be a thing uh, worth just worth paying attention to. No, you're totally right. I'm reminded of the lockout year, the year, uh, the season after the lockout when the season mm-hmm. started in like December. And how just like abominable that first couple of weeks of basketball 
uh, was because you know guys were out of shape and everything. It would it would be really unfortunate for that to be for that to be the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess that's just a testament to uh, you know which guys can can kind of stay in shape and uh, still be effective uh, if the season gets to return. But man, yeah, that that'd be so weird. That would suck so much. Yeah, right. yeah. But uh, you know, it's it already was the type of season where we could be looking at a uh, where it's more wide open than it's been in quite a long time. And then you throw this type of wrench into the wheel. And then that just opens it up that much more. It's uh, and well, and what happens if some of these guys um, who have contracted coronavirus actually do have some sort of, um, you know, I was so a couple of weeks ago, I had, uh, I was I was sick as all get out from uh, from the flu or something, and uh, coming, and so I've been training for uh, climbing for a climbing competition coming up uh, that was supposed to be later this month, and I was garbage, you know. And so if you're like, if you get that level of sick to where it just completely undermines the fitness and all the stuff that you put into your body, and then uh, if LeBron James gets sick, which hopefully he's all good and that he hasn't had any risk for that. And then, uh, you know, those are, those are the type of things that it's kind of like injury where you're your your mind tells you one thing but your body just doesn't respond the way you want to no absolutely i mean we we have a concrete example of that with the pistons right christian wood we learned uh you know later or earlier this week was you know tested positive for covid19 uh wasn't showing any symptoms at the time of the report and uh you know we're glad they caught it and everything but uh you know where it remains to be seen what kind of uh, long-term impact that will have on a guy who you know trades on his athleticism for for his well-being mm-hmm. you know, that was a guy who uh, you know stood to make a a good chunk of money this offseason and like now a lot of that can be called into question yeah hopefully that doesn't wind up being the case too much um, I mean he's he obviously had such a great um, stretch of performance after the uh after the Andre Drummond trade that <laughs> he made himself a lot of money and he should still go ahead and he should still be getting that it's uh just because Rudy Gobert decided to you know be become the person near him yeah <laughs> uh like uh Rudy Gobert making himself into the person hey don't be Rudy Gobert um, which, you know, I get that we all do stupid things and so not being too hard on him, but yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, there's such a, there's such a long tail in this, right? Because we yeah. don't know what the, the long-term effects of COVID-19 are at this point. You know, there were, uh, you know, there were rumors of like decreased lung capacity and, mm. and as a result of the disease and stuff. And like, that would be, that would be a big impact for, again, a, a guy who leverages his athleticism. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. It's, yeah, you you think about like asthmatics, like Reggie Jackson had asthma and like still managed to be an effective NBA player, but it did definitely like curtail like what he was capable of. And so you, you wonder. Right? Yeah, yeah. And for sure, I, you know, running being my other sport, when I was coming off being sick, it was just like, man, I, I can't breathe. Like uh, that it just, it just makes everything feel so much harder. Uh, so it's, you know, I get it. I hope it's uh, I hope it's not a long lasting thing. Um, it, there's a long time between now and when this 
uh, when next season would be coming into play and Christian Wood would be making that money. And really, he showed himself to be a player, like uh, that he's he's more than just a uh, rotation big man. He's, he's a guy who can be a starting power forward for a team. Uh, and it's, uh, I think the Pistons overexposed him a bit, um, but like that competitiveness that, you know, maybe was the um, result of having such a rough first three years in the league um, that, you know, he's, he's really got that, that type of uh, personality and um, motivation and fire that, um, that I think uh, if a team is looking for someone to take a gamble on in a really shallow free agent year, this is, uh, you know, this is a guy they really ought to be looking hard at. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, regardless of, and uh, I, I would hope that this the exposure to uh, coronavirus wouldn't be something that would uh, undermine that. Yeah, and you know, you know, there's a chance that you know uh, this if this goes well for Christian and for the Pistons, you know that you know deepening that relationship, the trust with the medical staff, the the trust with the front office, and you know uh, testing uh, everyone very quickly, and you know taking care of them while that was happening. You know, that could be something that that relationship uh, improvement, in addition to like, you know, finding him off the uh, the quote unquote like NBA scrap heap and being the first team to really give him a chance to prove himself in the rotation. You you might see why, uh, you know, even if other teams maybe offer more money or uh, something else that the Pistons don't offer, that that relationship and that opportunity would be important to a guy who uh who had the early career that a Christian would had. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's a, there's an even a chance that, that, you know, this happens to strengthen that bond and make, and make it more, uh, make it more likely that Christian Wood uh, remains a piston. You know, obviously I would want him to be a piston without the COVID-19, but, uh, but you're, you're grateful for the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's a situation to where if, uh if Blake Griffin come back healthy, you know, like, and get him over to a better team that's not in the type of situation that the Pistons are in. Uh, and then Christian Wood's going to be well positioned for a um, a very prominent role. And so that would be something that with his uh, with his age, with his timeline, you know, sign a, sign a three two-year contract with a third-year option for a third-year player option. And, um, you know, that's a that's a compelling pick just from an objective standpoint um that uh that he can really establish himself as a you know he i don't think he's going to wind up being a 20 and 10 guy long term but you know like um, a guy who can be the in the in the league today it seems like you kind of need a um someone who can initiate the offense from the perimeter and someone who can be a force as as a weapon um as that big guy and uh, not necessarily a center, but uh, either three, four, whatever. And uh, in Christian Wood, he can really establish himself in that role. And so that's uh, in terms of long-term earnings, that's probably a very compelling um, situation for him to be in. Even if, you know, he thinks he might be able to make it an extra little bit of money, what we would call a little bit of money being six big <laughs> yeah. or whatever, like what I'm making the next six years. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, if he can, you know, if he can uh, 
say no to a little bit more money that would make him that money in the long term. Okay. All right, Steve. There, there are. We got a lot of suggestions on Twitter for uh, stuff to talk about in the wake of uh, there the games being canceled. I think we actually we actually got to. There was a not insignificant amount of news for us to talk to about, which is uh, which is good during during a break. But there was uh, a couple things that kept coming up that I did want to get uh, mm-hmm. your opinion and thoughts are. Um, the first of which was like uh, we got a lot of uh, you know. It's like, re, what's your favorite Pistons memory? Or like, what would you, if uh, ESPN Classic was back and, and showing Pistons games, like, what would you, what would you want to see? And so, you know, what would be your your ESPN Classic game, Steve? Uh, well, it'd be less of a game and more of the, I love the Pacers-Pistons rivalry back in the Bad Boys era. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was, uh, it was almost inevitable that that Pacers team was going to self-destruct with the personalities that it had. but. Um, just they were both just so good they were close to each other and uh, they had such similar physical styles that uh it was always a lot of fun to watch and plus i was living in indianapolis at the time so i just went to a ton of those games um and so it was just uh that was really what cemented me as like the pistons being uh you know just a, a special part uh, having a special role in my life was uh, that that rivalry. No, that, that's a good answer. I, I my answer is uh, significantly worse, but uh, it just one of the single like brightest spots I can remember for for me as a Pistons fan is is just like the random night Brandon Jennings went for twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was when you know I had. I had kind of stopped following the team as much during the during the Ben Gordon Charlie Villanueva experiment years. Um, they were just starting to to crawl out of that. That was after uh, Josh Smith had been cut, and so like at that point, I was like fully invested. I was back uh, back commenting a bunch on on DBB, and you know I I loved the way that uh, Jennings played. He played with such uh, he played with a lot of joy honestly and uh and you know you know you never knew what was coming next for good or ill hmm. but uh it was always just so exciting to watch and that 2020 game was really just kind of the the apex of his pistons career um it i've always kind of like mentally likened it to like icarus flying too close to the sun because you know the game after uh that was when he tore his achilles and mm-hmm. you know, effectively uh you know curtailed the rest of his like productive uh, NBA career. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, just the, that thought of, you know, the, that guy holding so much potential for a team um, that was, you know, not very good <laughs> for being perfectly honest, but like on the way that appeared to be, you know, on the way back and that being that game being a symbol of that just meant a lot to me. And so like, that's whenever I think of like a, uh, my, like my, my, uh, quote-unquote like favorite pistons game that that's definitely like up there for Mm me yeah yeah totally and i mean you know jennings he had swag he he had swag in in buckets (laughs) uh all right steve uh you know what are what are you doing uh to to handle the the quarantine the uh the pandemic what are uh what are you what steps are you taking to to keep you and uh and your loved ones safe? 
Uh, well, so my lifestyle tends to be a lot of outdoorsy stuff. So it winds up being that I'm unlikely to be within six feet of anybody anyways. So, um, me and my girlfriend earlier today, we went on a hike up in the mountains and, um, it's been a bit of a shift of plans. Um, it's, you know, like mostly what like my outside of work and DVD focuses are mostly uh, athletic stuff. So it's, uh, I'll be changing the style of climbing I'm doing, you know, doing a bit more alpine stuff rather than uh, traditional crag days um, and, you know, sport routes where we're all being disgusting and sharing the same holds and whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I've got a marathon in November, so I guess I can just start getting head on long miles that way. Yeah. It is it is interesting how, you know, if you if you're on social media, if you're on if you're like watching the news, like it, this stuff dominates all of that. And then, you know, you go outside for a hike or, you know, I me and my wife, we we walk the dog like outside and like everything looks normal, right? Like mm-hmm. everything looks fine with with the the news and everything you would expect the the world to kind of be on fire like in the background like some sort of movie. But like that's that's not really the case. It's just uh, it's just a matter of you know social distancing, keeping keeping away from uh, people just in order in order for everyone to be safe. You know, like that that's and that's a big part of what we've been doing. Me, me and my wife, we, uh, you know, we we both have the privilege of being able to work from home, so we've both been doing that for uh, for like the last five days essentially. Uh, you know, I've been to the grocery store a couple times to pick up some food, see what's missing, see what uh what people are stocking up on. You know, all the all the Purell and toilet paper is gone, mm-hmm. gone, long gone. Um, but yeah, like you know, as long as you we you, as long as you uh, like take a breather, don't uh, obsess over you know every waking moment of like how this is going to impact your life um, in in something uh, in like some tragic way that you can't like go to the bar or you can't uh you know climb the way you uh you'd like to climb the it's it's not uh i don't want to say it's not a big deal but the the adjustments are are minor uh compared to you know i don't know the world like literally being on fire or you know some sort of uh natural disaster where you'd have to like evacuate or something right like we're we're lucky in that uh is this is not uh, this is a slow, it was a quick moving, uh, disaster, but like it, there are like definite things you can do to, to keep you and your family safe that aren't, you know, that hard uh, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Oh yeah, for sure. Wash your hands, right? <laughs> Wash your hands, right? Exactly. <laughs> and don't be Rudy Gobert. <laughs> or Rudy. But I mean, also very dumb. <laughs> At least he gets the opportunity to like make this right and be yeah. kind of the the face of COVID nineteen prevention. Right. It's so, that's not a responsibility he wanted, but he's got it now. Oh man, that's that's why like when it comes to this type of thing, just don't do stupid crap. Like he uh, he's, he's always seemed like a really good, genuine, uh, solid type of guy, and so it's unfortunate that he was put in this circumstance. Hopefully, whatever rifts are in the jazz locker room heal, but. Also, let, let's not be Rudy Gobert. Yeah, man, let's let's not touch microphones unnecessarily. No, no, no that's not a joke. Yeah. 
All right, Steve, uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find that uh, very interesting piece that uh, you mentioned earlier this podcast about the uh, the leagues and delays. Uh, the piece will be coming on Detroit Bad Boys, uh, hopefully Monday or Tuesday of this week. Uh, I'm, I've still got some more stuff to be able to put into it. Um, in terms of finding me uh, with the basketball stuff, I mostly keep it on Twitter. It's Shannon's S-H-I-N. Owen S eight at oh and then um for you know running climbing whatever uh disabled sport stuff you might be interested in uh it's s henson seventy two on Instagram. Why the uh why the disparity between the eight and the seventy two? Uh so the eight came from uh a old Detroit Bad Boys meme from uh, way back in the day. It was this old um. I think I wrote it as a fan point, a fan post. Even it was uh, about like I. So I met Robert Ori and got a picture of him where he signed a photo of a red panda and sent it over to uh, this guy for pounding the rock. Uh, Spurs fan Steve, um, another like just longtime guy who we've always had a really great relationship with between uh, the Pistons and Spurs fan communities, um, and so. Uh, that post I'd written, it was kind of like delineating um, the way that the Spurs kind of kept everything intact uh, after some hard times. They still stuck with the Parker, Manu, Tim Duncan uh, core, and the Pistons gave up prematurely on, you know, Chauncey, Rip, uh, Tay, Sheed, and Ben. And, um, and just like... Uh, it was kind of just this long drawn out thing about how Robert Ori was the catalyst for all of this when Rashid Wallace tipped the ball to him and he, um, he made that shot in 2005, 2005, right? Um, And so uh, it ended up, it it was back in the day when like Rex were a big thing or whatever. And so we were, it was early days of BBB. And so people knew what post had the most Rex and, uh, mine ended up being the highest uh, but it beat out he wizard i think was uh, um was the one who had it before and he pointed out that it was a big part because of the spurs fan community and so we put an asterisk by it and so uh that's the reason for the eight is that is the numeral for the or uh the number for the asterisk um, that is that is a treasure trove of like old school DBB goodness right there. I'm glad I asked. I know it was way too long of an answer, but uh, uh, hopefully that was uh, enjoyable for some of the old timers or you know no. people who like the. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great, man. Uh, of course, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. No super amazing story behind my name that's just except my name for, except for just uh, an awesome middle name <laughs> it's just an awesome middle name all all praise to the mom on that one <laughs> thanks mom love you stay safe uh this this has been the detroit bad boys podcast and we will talk to y'all next week probably i think i don't know <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out <laughs>